Hi, I'm David Cronenberg, the director of Spider, and um, there are probably a few things I could tell you about the movie that you might find interesting, so why don't we have a look at it? The, um, the music at the, uh, at the head of uh, Spider is actually uh, an Elizabethan song. It's from the, from the uh, 16th century, and um, it has a very melancholy, sad feel to it. And it's sung by a woman who is of, of middle age, uh, and the idea was that it was really a maternal song. Uh, it's, it's Spider's mother singing to him. Of course, this doesn't mean anything to people at the beginning of the film, but uh, it does have resonance later, later on. Um, and, uh, uh, it, but as I say, it's a, a very old song, uh, for over 400 years old, and yet it's, it feels very modern and relevant. The, the words of it are, though, quite, quite strange, and the imagery in the song is quite strange, if you can understand it. The uh, images in the title sequence are really actually stains on walls and on wallpaper, uh, mold, drippings um, on concrete. Uh, it suggests moldiness and dampness and, and neglect. Uh, and the images are doubled and folded out so that they begin to form shapes that, that and in other words, they're kind of like a Rorschach test, that is a, the psychological test that is used often to determine uh, psychological states of mind by psychologists. And um, it also has, of course, resonance in terms of the, the, moldy, <laughs> the moldiness and dampness of the movie and also the, the whole question of psychology and madness and sanity and imagination. Uh, you see a lot of you will see a lot of figures and images in in these uh, in these Rorschach uh, blobs. Right over there you can see something that looks kind of like some insect angel on the right, but of course it's really just, uh, these are really uh, mold stains on a, on a wall, on a concrete wall. Now, the opening shot in the movie has reminded many people of completely empty of cars, the same with this shot, which was, this one was the first shot we did in, the, in shooting the movie. It was our first uh, setup. And it did establish for us uh, how Spider moved, you know, until you actually do the first shot. Uh, you don't really, you, 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 you establish many things, and so it's really a kind of a, uh, a perilous and exciting moment when you do your first take in a movie because it is establishing many, many things. The uh, style of lighting, uh, lens, use of lenses, uh, and for the actors, um, how the character will actually move and walk and stand and what his posture will be.
But as I say, the streets of London have never, even in the 1940s or the late 1950s, when this, uh, when the flashbacks in this film are set, um, they would never be that empty. And I did have extras ready to put into the streets, uh, dressed in period costume and and, uh, uh, and cars that could drive through the scenes and bicycles and dogs and people and so on. But whenever we put them on the streets with Spider, it seemed wrong. Uh, and we gradually took them away as we took them away and said, no, well, let's not have that group over there. Let's not have that car. And we kept doing it until we were left just with Spider alone, which, and I realized at that point that without being too um, schematic about it, we were really making an expressionist movie. That is to say, all of everything that you see in the movie is really expressing Spider's inner state of mind. It's it's not really meant to be realistic in a documentary sense. It's meant to be um, uh, evocative of, of uh, this, this particular inner life of, of uh, our main character. And so it is even with scenes like this, which are accurate in terms of the furniture of the period and how a halfway house that was housing uh, inmates from asylums who had been thrown out of their asylums basically and forced to to uh, go back into society really perhaps before they were ready. This is really, it's very accurate in terms of period detail. But I think you can also see that it's kind of uh, accurate in terms of the way that it connects with Spider's inner state of mind. Now there's a dark continent for you. I knew a man once. The character that John Neville plays, this this elderly gentleman here, uh, doesn't is not really in the novel that Spider is based on, but he he was a, a necessary character in order to, to give Spider someone to bounce off, to relate to, to listen to, and it was an invention of Patrick's uh, Patrick McGraw's. Uh, when he wrote his script, um, and I think a very lovely one too. That, as I say, is not a character who's not in the novel. Now here we see Spider in a real dilemma. Um, his suitcase has been taken away. He's got his cigarette papers and his cigarettes half rolled. He's being talked to by someone, led away by someone else. And for a man like Spider, this is not an easy social situation. This is this is fraught with problems. He has to manipulate all these objects of his life. And for him, it's not a simple thing, as we will see in a moment. Um, and when we were shooting all of these sequences, we were... We had determined that the, the movie would accept the, sp the pace of Spider. That is to say, we weren't trying to hurry it up, make it move quickly. The, the, the understanding had to be that if we were going to live in Spider's mind and space, which is really what I wanted the audience to do, the movie would have to accept his, his rhythms, which are slow and deliberate and confused and... Um, so there was no question, really, of compromising that. Uh, we really had to ex feel that the audience would ultimately um, accept the rhythm of the movie, which is not kind of the rhythm, let's say, of a Hollywood movie. It's, it's quite something else, and it's all deter determined by um, the pace of Spider's thoughts and his, and his metabolism. Your room, Mr. Clegg.
I think the music uh, by Howard Shore here is who is someone that I've worked with for many many years and he's done the music for almost all my movies and uh, he, he's recently won an Oscar for his music for Lord of the Rings um, to compare the two scores is to sh just show you what, how versatile and what what a broad range Howard has because the Lord of the Rings has a huge score with hundreds of singers and musicians and from all over the world but the music for Spider really uh, is, is quite an, another thing and it really comes very um, directly out of the austerity of the movie and the simplicity and the focus on basically one person and his inner life and the music uh, to me is very it's a very lovely beautiful evocative score which which helps to take you into the uh, inner rhythms of, of Spider. Oh, not undressed yet. Yeah. Very well then, Mr. Clegg. I'll leave you to your own devices. Despite the fact that Spider is, uh, let's say, reclusive and, and has great difficulty communicating with people, he's still not a pushover. You know, you can't really tell him what to do. Uh, he has his own sense of what's right and what's correct and what he will accept and what he won't. And we see it here. Now, this scene coming up in the bathtub uh, is is really a kind of a critical one in the movie. Uh, it, it's really it's really literally Spider's nakedness and how fragile he is inside his coat and his many shirts. Uh, I had a screening of this of the movie in Toronto and after the movie a woman came up to me, a, a middle-aged woman, and she said to me, how did you know about the bathtub? And I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, I have one of those at home, meaning uh, a son who is schizophrenic. And she said, that's exactly how he lies in the bathtub. He, he, he lies in the bathtub exactly like that. And she wondered if we had done research uh, about schizophrenia, and is that why we came up with that the, the choreography of that scene and the and the and the way it was shot and so on, and I said, you know, we we've really done I've done no research at all, and Rafe has talked to schizophrenics and to psychiatrists, but I said to him, you know, Rafe, if you want to do that kind of research, please go ahead. If it gives you something that you can use, that's wonderful. But I'm not really interested in doing a clinical study of a schizophrenic. In fact, of course, we don't even mention the word. Uh, in the movie as we don't talk about psychosis or schizophrenia or mental illness at all because for me the spy it, it the movie is not a clinical study of schizophrenia it is it is a, a study of the human condition when it's pushed to a particular extreme so it's a it's a it's a philosophical study rather than a medical one and I didn't really want us to have a checklist of the symptoms of schizophrenia and say, okay, spider must do this and this and this because these are the classical things that schizophrenics do. Uh, I really didn't want the audience to see the labels schizophrenic on this character so that they can say, oh, well, spider is a schizophrenic. I am not one. Therefore, there's a big 
difference between us, and I'm just observing this creature from a distance. I really didn't want there to be any distance between the audience and Spider. I really wanted the audience to become Spider by the end of the movie um, and to, to live not just in his world but in his mind. And in a way, this room of spiders is his mind. It's really the spirit of spider living in the in 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 his in his head. This room is kind of the skull of spider. Um, and here he's beginning to evoke memories. To beginning, it's it, it's interesting that spider is verbal at all, because in the script, many of the things that 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 Rafe finds is saying were not written he it, it really was an improvisation at a certain point he started to mumble when we did a take and then afterwards he said did, did that feel right you know, and i said it really did you know that it, it's not really verbalization but it's more vocalization that is to say along with the body posture and the body language which is spider's main language because of course he doesn't speak very much there is a kind of vocalization that he uses uh which comes across as a kind of muttering that you can't understand it's meant to be not uh, too understandable although i have to say that if you see the movie a couple of times you'll 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 realize that everything he says does make sense it's just a kind of an oblique um, abstraction of of uh of, of a normal sort of conversational language just a few years and here, really, is about as close to real dialogue that you'll ever see Spider have. Nor did I expect to be. But it is a loud world, and this is an island. But Here we see that Terence is also a sock man, as Patrick McGraw puts it. He also keeps things in a sock because it's a way to keep it a treasured possession private. And you put it down your pants... Um, because you know that someone like Mrs. Wilkinson, who's played wonderfully by Lynn Redgrave right here, who is who is really has no um, respect for the privacy of her, of her the, the charges, the people that live in her boarding house, as you can see here, she has no qualms about probing them and prodding them and trying to take their clothes off and so on. The only way that they can have privacy or c to keep some of their possessions private is to is to use the sock trick. And uh, so you see that there's a real bond here between Spider and Terrence, who is uh, the, the character that John Neville plays. Um, but Mrs. Wilkinson can be quite cruel, really, in a small way, in a petty way. She can be quite a tyrant, as, as she, she is described by by Terence. And we see again Spider's magpie habit, that is to say he loves to pick up things and put them in the pockets of his coat. He finds things that interest him on the streets. And uh, we'll see that several times in the movie. And of course we'll also see what he creates with these things that he picks up. And his cigarettes his that he rolls himself are one of the few comforts that he has, that he allows himself. This sequence was shot in the town of Eton, uh, home of the famous school, a British school where many of the royal family have been educated and many other famous people. But of course you're not really seeing the town. This is meant in the film to be close to London.
close to the east end of London, which it isn't really. And these little gardens are called allotments. These are very common still in England. Um, people who, who live in houses or apartments and don't have their own garden space, but do have the very English urge to plant things in a garden, uh, can rent or buy allotments, um, just a place where you can plant things and set up a little shack, a little shed that you can keep gardening implements in and so on. And here, really, we at this point in the movie, we don't really understand what's going on. We, we can see that Spider is very emotional and that there's something, perhaps we hear the word mother and mum, and we understand that he, he's sobbing about his mother, but we don't really understand why and why he would be lying on this patch of earth. It's still very evocative and very touching because of Rafe's performance. The, the camera work, the lighting in this movie is, uh, is fantastic. It's by Peter Sushitsky, who has uh, shot most of my movies. Well, he shot all of my movies since Dead Ringers in 1988. And uh, we love working together. And he is just so wonderful at, at ev evoking emotion and even intellect from his lighting. Uh, we, we have a really wonderful collaboration, but... Uh, but obviously, I'm I'm very dependent on Peter's um, his eye and his his sense of color and and light. And that's the, it's the cinematography is one of the reasons that this movie managed to be, manages to be incredibly simple and incredibly complex at the same time. Now, this sequence, which is technically taking place in England was actually shot in Canada, in the province of Ontario, very close to the, uh, my, the place that I have in the countryside outside of Toronto. In fact, in this park, which is uh, where we... Uh, this is a, a, a provincial park that we shot in. Uh, it's meant to be a Sussex landscape uh, where a spider used to live when he was in his asylum in the countryside. But actually, it's, um, I've actually s spent a lot of time in this very park bicycling on, with my off-road mountain bike. And all of these interior scenes, like this one, were in fact shot in Toronto on a f on a f in a studio on film set. So we, sh we, we filmed for three weeks in London and five weeks in Toronto, uh, mostly interiors, but one or two special cases of shooting exteriors in Canada that you just saw one of them and I'll point out uh, the other ones when they when they occur of course the puzzle is a, a primary uh, motif of this movie as is the spider web and the puzzle as a spider web the puzzle as representing Spider's project, which is to put together the pieces of his life without getting too cute or coy about it. We will see that the motif recur. 
the notebook that Spider writes in um, is is an, is is an interesting um, object and this interesting event in the film. In the novel of Spider, Spider actually writes the novel. That is to say, the novel is his journal. And that meant that in the book, Spider is very literary. He's very literate and literary. He's very good with words, and he can write really quite beautifully because, of course, he's Patrick McGraw writing. Um, and it works as a literary conceit. But in terms of cinema, I felt that Spider being that good with words and that self-aware self-conscious and manipulative i felt that really didn't work in the it wouldn't work in the in the movie as in the first draft of the script patrick had a lot of voiceover with with spider reading basically from the novel and i said to him you know patrick these are really two different spiders the spider that you've created for the cinema cannot possibly say these things cannot possibly think the things that the spider in the book did so we got rid of the voiceover, but I didn't want to get rid of Spider's journal. I really felt it was a valuable thing to, for us to see Spider obsessively trying to record and remember and and piece together uh, his his past, his life, which of course is here what we're beginning to see his memories. Um, but I so I I wanted I wanted Spider though to be writing in a kind of cuneiform or hieroglyphics that that we couldn't really understand. And I asked Rafe to develop that so that I could shoot him writing it, that he could write it very fluently. And so really the design of that strange language that you see in the book, in the, in the notebook, is, is Rafe's design. Here, of course, at the beginning, we're somewhat confused because we, we don't realize, of course, that this child is Spider as a boy um, until Spider can anticipate the dialogue in the scene and and say it himself and then we begin to realize that um, this is not spider actually creeping around the countryside and looking in people's windows but in fact he's looking into his own memory and trying to relive his childhood and it starts to become clear here we realize that this is not literal it's not a literal scene it's in fact a kind of a memory fantasy scene of spiders he is f trying to follow his himself as a child to discover some secrets about his past the fact that he's been forced to come back into london and to walk the streets that he walked as a child ha has started to provoke him to explore his his own memories and here of course is a critical scene um he's gone to the pub to get his father we get the sense that his father spends a lot of time in the pub and doesn't perhaps want to spend much time at home with, with his wife and his child. And he sees a woman in the pub who is a bit of a tart, a slut, maybe a prostitute. There she is. And she's not Miranda Richardson. Um, a lot of people don't. Of course, we have no idea who she is, and we don't know that she's, in fact, a major character. But we do know, of course, that she's kind of exposed herself slightly to the boys for fun, and that he is somewhat... Um, he's, he's kind of taken aback by that. The women are mocking him, but he's kind of attracted to them anyway. And, of course, we see Spider, the man, and Spider, the boy, in the same in the same shots, in the same 
location. And, you know, the audience must at this point begin to realize what the structure of this memory sequence is. And here's our introduction to Spider's father. And now we also see Spider lurking in his own family memories. And, um, of course, this scene is demonstrating the tension that there is in the family. Someone said to me that in these scenes, Spider is almost like a director directing a scene in a film. And I thought that that was very appropriate because the structure of the movie is, that, of course, that that Spider does, in fact, re-edit, redirect, rewrite his memories, as we all do. Uh, it, the, the question of memory is, is very central to uh, this movie. And the concept is that memory is not a static, absolute thing. It's not like a documentary that you can play at any given moment. Uh, but actually it's a volatile, created thing, that we are constantly creating and recreating our memories. And of course, memory is identity. You, you cannot have an identity if you cannot have memory. So that really means that our, our identities are also constantly being created and recreated, and I think that, in fact, is true. Every morning when you wake up, there's an, a huge amount of creative will that goes into remembering, restructuring yourself, who you are, why you're there, what your past has been, what language you speak, what culture you belong to. It's not a given. It takes a lot of energy to sustain an identity. And, of course, in... In schizophrenics, for example, that energy somehow has failed, and and um, there is no longer the either the will or the energy, for whatever reason, to sustain an identity, and the identity starts to fall apart. If you knew where to look, you could find the spider's egg bags. Perfect. The story that Spider's mother tells him, of course, is really the basis for his uh, nickname of Spider. Uh, I can assure anybody who's an arachnophobe that there are no real spiders in the movie, but there are sort of metaphorical spiders and metaphorical webs as well. And we're supposed to understand by this scene and the dialogue that Miranda Richardson is delivering here that she, she does feel herself that her life has somehow become empty and wasted and that uh, somehow, because of what's happening in her family and with her husband, there's... There's a real emptiness at the center of her life. and um, But I'd say we might understand that this is not uncommon. This is a sort of a, a natural sort of problem of marriage that comes and goes and that comes and goes and that people have to work out. But, of course, for Spider, who's very sensitive to all the subtleties going on, it begins to become quite an exaggerated problem between his parents, more exaggerated perhaps than... Uh, it was real. And here we begin to see a bit of the play of the Freudian Oedipus complex aspect of the film, a kind of a competition between the son and the father for the mother. Once again, I'm, I wasn't interested in being schematic and doing a movie that illustrated Freud's Oedipus complex, but the elements were certainly there in the structure, and I think they're accurate enough. There, there is a, the element of, of a, a boy 
being very confused about his parents' sexuality, as, as, as most children are. I mean, there's a time when really it's not very well understood by children because they haven't experienced sexuality themselves in a, in a straightforward way. Most children really don't want to think about their parents having sex, even when they themselves are adults and, and have had sex many times. It's all right for them, but they don't, they'd rather just think that their parents had sex that one time in order to create them. And um, the, the, in this movie, we, we sort of see the, the, the dynamics of a boy who confuses his own beginning sexuality uh, with his parents' sexuality, and that is really part of the problem that Spider has to deal with as, a, as he gets older. <laughs> now, here we see the tart in the pub, uh, but in fact, now she is not the woman we saw in the scene before, although the other two women are the same, but she's Miranda Richardson. In other words, she is kind of a fusion between this Miranda Richardson, same actress playing both roles, his mother, and the the, the, the tart in the pub that he saw initially. He's this this woman we're seeing here is a creation of Spider. She is a fantasy, she's a, a fusion of of Spider's imagination, fusion of his mother and this prostitute in the pub. And, uh, of course, she has great potency in his life and, and a great reality for him. But uh, the question of her actual reality is, 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 is more than open. I mean, it, she's really a fantasy of spiders. And um, eventually comes home and plays a major role in Spider's life. And here's just a suggestion that maybe Bill, Spider's father, is kind of drinking a little too much for his mother's liking, and that that's part of the tension between them. And also, there's a very subtle suggestion here that Bill is kind of interested in Yvonne, this creature in the pub. But we're not really sure, finally, whether this is something that actually happened, or is it really y young Spider's attraction for that woman in the pub that that has caused him to 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 cre create in this fantasy of familial tension it's very hard at this point to know what's real and what's not and that is the audience's confusion is also spider's confusion and this was intentional the idea being that if the audience is really going to be spider then when he's confused they will also be confused Now, here's something that Spider is remembering, but is he really remembering it? Because in this scene, the young boy Spider does not appear. And this was part of our memory structure of the movie, that when Spider is remembering something, but the young boy Spider is not in the scene, then it's, it's, he, the boy couldn't have been present. He wasn't present in, in, at this event. And that suggests then that Spider is really imagining it. He's really saying to himself, well, this is probably what happened. My father, Bill, went to do some plumbing work for this creature, this, this slut, Yvonne. And they started to flirt with each other. But, of course, you see that 
young spider is not here he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been there and so we do see that very soon that adult spider is there he's 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 watching he's thinking about it he's remembering this but really what he's remembering is an imagined event it's it's nothing that really happened it's just he assumes that somehow his father got involved with this woman this creature and started flirting with her but it, it really isn't a memory it's an invented it's a fantasy of spiders and that's that's basic that's the second level of of flashback in the in this movie the first is a, a memory that of something that really did happen then there's the memory of something that in fact is a fantasy that the boy had and that lives in the adult spider's mind as a real event here spider is recording his remem his, his remembrances uh, and perhaps he's trying to sort out memory from imagination. We're not sure. And now he's going back to his past in the asylum. Had a letter from that Sophia Loren this morning. Oh, yeah. These scenes are meant to be remembrances of his life in the asylum, where they were, as you can see, they all wear the same clothes, and they, they are allowed to work out in the countryside. Um, supervised. I didn't really want to put men with guns or, or medical superintendents wandering through the scenes, but the assumption is that these are this is supervised therapeutic work for the you know physical labor for the inmates to sort of get them out of their little cells and their rooms and out into the healthy air. But you can see here uh, a little a little bit of late 50s style pornography that uh, Spider has kept and he is now transforming the woman in these pictures into his Yvonne, the woman that is a fusion between his mother, a fusion of his mother and and the, the, the woman that he initially saw in the pub. So his sexual fantasies are really developing and they're focusing on this Yvonne creature who now represents complete primal sexuality to him uh, of course it's a child's version of sexuality he's even as a man spider spiders understanding of sexuality is very very adolescent or pre-adolescent in fact it really of course hasn't had any way that it could develop in a mature sense Bill. Always been one of my favourites. Had a cat called Bill once. Nippy out, eh? Glad I got with her. Gabriel Byrne said that this was the most difficult role he had ever played. And the, the reason is that half the time his character is really a projection of Spider's fantasy, of his son's fantasy. This, this scene would never really have happened. This is once again a scene that the boy was not present at, and it's something that Spider is imagining himself. It's part of his sexual fantasy um, projected onto his father. 
Uh, we we shot in actual canals in in London, and uh, this was a somewhat difficult location. Uh, we had lights f- floating in boats that we put in the canal so that we could get lighting from from the water. It was quite uh, a tight location, and I think Peter's lighting is absolutely fantastic in these scenes. It's superb. A lot of people comment on this particular moment. Um, the uh, I use the shampoo for the for to represent the sperm. It's and uh, here you see in in cinematic terms an expression of Spider confusing his own sexuality and his sexual fantasies with fantasies with that of his father. A man go for a drink after his work. I think here we get a hint that though that what's really happening with Spider's parents is not much more than a normal kind of working class um, um, marital dispute, a little t- normal marital tension, nothing, nothing really earth-shaking, nothing really psychotic and, and melodramatic, but somehow in Spider, and we never really quite know why, becomes amplified and exaggerated and becomes quite a major melodrama in his memory. This is the first physical spider web we begin to see. And this was a lovely invention of Patrick's for the for the screenplay because I don't think this really, you don't have Spider the boy with his spider web um, in his room as a child, you don't have that in the novel. That's really quite lovely invention of Patrick. Really, to to be faithful to a novel, you must betray it in ter- in cinematic terms because the two media are so completely different. There's no such thing as a translation, a direct translation, and and I think Patrick did that himself. He really understood that he had to reinvent the novel f- in cinematic terms. And of course, here's more more Oedipus. We we see that that Spider the boys does not particularly want to hear about how sexy his mother is going to be for his father. Father. But in terms of saving the marriage, uh, we will put that in quotes. Uh, it's probably a good idea that his mother has decided to try to accommodate her husband somehow and be more attractive for him and play with him and be maybe go out to the pub a few more times this is not something that spider can fit the pieces together uh, for it's not a memory that he wants to that he can deal with then we see the repercussions here of course Now here we see Spider's paralysis. That under certain circumstances he kind of he he kind of locks up. He seizes up. He can hardly move, and it's a kind of terror induced in him, 
We don't know why, but it's induced by this gargantuan structure, which is not really across the road here. Um, I just did it. We, we, we made it look as though it was across the road in, in a very simple way, which I'll explain in a second. But uh, it's the gas works. It's, it's, it's something that you find all over London. Uh, and, and it's the way that gas is for burners and for stoves and for heating is stored and then forced out by these enormous, by these enormous drums that, that uh, pressurize the gas. And um, the gas works, though, really was, is not across the street. We, we just went to where it was and built uh, a door frame or a window frame and shot that angle through the door frame or window frame. Uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of directors these days would, would want to do CGI. They'd want to sort of computer generate that. They'd do a blue screen through the window and, 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 and uh, put the shot into the computer and put the you know, two shots together uh, that way. But I thought it was much more simple to do it physically on the, on the site and just build a, a door frame uh, and a window frame and shoot that shot where the gasworks actually were. Well, we in this scene, we now begin to understand, we will soon begin to understand what Spider's obsession is. He is obsessed with gas. He's got a terrible fear of gas, of the gas from the gasworks that loom outside his window. And in this scene, he starts to feel that the gas that he smells in the room is not emanating from the gas fire but is in fact is coming from his own body, is emanating from his own body. The, the gas is coming from him. And we, we don't really understand why he would have this, this, this fantasy, uh, one that seems to terrify him so much. But we will, of course, understand it later. I guess I say that Rafe lost a lot of weight for this movie. Um, he became thinner and thinner as the movie went on. He's a very disciplined actor to the point where I started to worry about his health. He got he got much too thin, I thought. But of course, he did it because Spider doesn't eat very much. And here he's decided to try and keep the gas in his body to stop it from coming out by by cladding himself with whatever he finds available, and, and in this case it's, of course, the newspapers that he finds in the bottom of the shelving. He's trying to stop the gas from escaping from his body into the room. And, of course, this kind of gas is not the normal kind of gas that one would talk about. This is a kind of metaphorical, strange gas. It's not an intestinal problem or a digestive problem with a spider here. And there we start to get more close-ups of the writing that Spider does, and we can see that it's a language that we can't really decipher. It's unique to Spider. And I didn't really think of this when we were starting to shoot the movie, but it, I eventually realized that there's a sense in which Spider is the archetype of the artist, someone who obsessively records and remembers and organizes and and, and writes something, writes uh, a story, in, in, but in a language that no one can understand. It's kind of a nightmare for an artist to think that he will put so much passion and, and emotion into his art, his writing in this case, and then never be understood, that somehow it's incomprehensible to anyone else. So Spider is, in that sense, a kind of a, the emblem of an artist. Uh, I, I would suppose you would call, say, a failed artist in this case.
Now here's a scene that we we can accept as being a relatively accurate memory. The boy is there. It seems like a scene that could happen. There doesn't seem to be really a fantastic element to it. So perhaps this scene really did happen. But once again, it's a scene of just uh, marital tension. Uh, the father is frustrated. Uh, we don't know whether it's because of his work. We don't know whether it's because of uh, the sex that he's not having with his wife, something like that. We don't, we're not really sure. But it's something that you, you could assume was rather normal and not really something that would induce uh, schizophrenia or any kind of mental illness in a child. But here's a scene that the young spider is not present at. And that is meant to indicate to the audience, not in a schematic way, they don't have to really understand it cerebrally and intellectually, but intuitively, that this is starting to be a fantasy sequence. This is Spider imagining that this is what must have happened. And now we see Bill, um, once again, a difficult scene for Gabriel Byrne because he's playing Bill as, as seen through the, f the fantasy of, of his son. And it's hard to know where to play the real Bill and where, where, where to play the sort of slightly demonic, um, unfaithful uh, fantasy Bill. Of course, the problem with Miranda is she's such a fantastic actress that often people don't realize it's the same actress playing not only two roles, but three roles. And they don't... I've had people who hadn't realized it until the end credits. Uh, the reason for casting her in those three roles is not... It's not a question of stunt casting. It's not a question of showing how versatile an actress she is. Be that, that's normally when someone plays several roles in a movie, that's really why it's done, is to just show that they have that range. But in this case, of course, it's to indicate the confusion of identities that Spider has in terms of his mother and in terms of this woman he saw in the pub and, and later in terms of Mrs. Wilkinson, the, the, the Lynn Redgrave character. Here she is as Mrs. Clegg. And you can see that there's just a total, absolute transformation by Miranda of herself to play this role. Now you can see that Spider is rewriting his memories here. He's, he's, he's not just recording things, he's actually inventing them and reshaping them and shuffling them for some purpose that he has. And, and one of the main purposes, of course, for doing that sort of thing is denial. That is to say, you, you cannot accept the truth of your past, and so you start to reshape your memories in a way that is less painful to you. So here, we would have a fantasy sequence. That is, this is something that Spider imagines must have happened. This is how his father must have come to begin his af serious affair with Yvonne. And it must have happened in the allotments because it couldn't happen at home. It couldn't happen in public. So where would they go that was private? And Spider fantasizes that it must have happened at the Clegg's uh, allotments where they, where they had their garden. 
And so Bill here is rather hard, and I wouldn't say demonic, but he's really rather nasty. He's betraying his wife. Um, and so Gabriel has to play that rather than playing what we might consider to be the real Bill, which we'll see, who we will see somewhat later. So he was very dependent on me and the script to guide him in his uh, performance, because an actor cannot play an abstract concept, uh, and you cannot photograph an abstract concept. This is concept. An actor has to play a, a person, a character. And that was the problem with that particular role, that part of the time it was was really a fantasy and not an actual person. So Spider is imagining that his mother going out to try to find her husband, going to the pub that is not their normal local pub, but the Salisbury, a place that her husband sometimes goes by himself, some place that she never goes with him. And this character really represents, there's a certain kind of English anger, um, pub anger, pub rage, pub hostility that seems to, to, is to exist and which we did experience sometimes when we were filming. Just people very angry because we blocked their parking space or something like that, an anger that really went very deep and seemed quite out of proportion to uh, what supposedly provoked it. And, and there's... There are a few moments like this in the film which English people have told me is very accurate. And of course, it comes mainly from, from Patrick's writing. Uh, but I was very happy to feel that I had caught many aspects of the tone of England in, the, in, in this particular period that we're depicting here, even though I'm not English. So now this is... This is Spider's fantasy of his mother accidentally stumbling onto a primal scene between her husband, a, a scene of betrayal, of adultery. But of course, young Spider is not here and couldn't be here. And so we have to think that this is really Spider's imagination, his fantasy of what must have happened to his mother. And of course, this is Miranda playing both roles. And it's done very simply. There's no computer imagery or anything here. It's just shooting and acting and editing. And it works very well. Now, audiences do tend to take this scene as being real, absolutely real. It's very forceful, and you're watching it, and you see it. But at the same time, there is a, a sense of unreality here. Bill... It's, it's just rather unbelievable that he could be so callous and so cruel and so murderous and so quickly. Um, and I think the second time that people see the movie, they will begin to sense all of that and begin to realize that this is really Spider's anguished, fevered imagination, the, the death of his mother at the hands of his father. Um, it's, it's not really played very realistically. If I were really trying to do this scene in a way that was believable, um, there, there would be a much more there would be much more texture and complexity in, in the murder of the mother. And of course, Yvonne would not be so casual and relaxed and, and unconcerned that she had just witnessed a murder, no matter how callous she really was. 
But here's Spider agonizing over his own fantasy of, of murder, of, of parental murder, of matricide. And now we begin to see what that scene represented earlier in the film when Spider was sobbing uh, on the potato patch. Um, he believes, of course, his mother is buried there. And we see here the burial. Now, this shot is in London, but this shot is in Toronto, and so is this one. Um, I wasn't happy with the, the, the corpse that we had, and here we're back in England, and Eaton, Eaton rather, not, not in London proper. Um, the, the body that was in the bag, it didn't fall correctly. It, it looked fake. It looked like a dummy. And so I reshot it in Toronto on a set inside in an interior. We had to raise a platform so that we could make a grave so that we could have our actors kick the body of Mrs. Clegg into it. There aren't too many of these streets left in London that are untouched and that are that are as they were in the f 1940s and 50s. They're called back-to-backs because the backyards of the rows of houses uh, uh, face each other. And then there's a little laneway between there. But there are one or two still that exist in London. There are many that still exist in, in other towns uh, in England, but not in London. They've sort of been either torn down and redeveloped or they've been very gentrified so they don't look very much like the way like they did in the 50s. Uh, we were very lucky to be able to get to use this one very pristine example of of a of a back to backs. Now, this is shot in Toronto. Um it's meant to be the asylum that Spider was imprisoned in. Uh, for the sort of criminally insane, uh, an asylum for the criminally insane. But it's actually shot in the basement of the old city hall in Toronto where they have jail cells. Do us all a favor. No one said you was a Spaniard. You bastard! I'll cut your fucking... And these, once again, are... This is one of the old inmate friends of spiders from his days in the asylum. This was also shot at the old city hall in Toronto. This is an exterior. Um, that that sort of sandstone and brick is really very typical of some old Toronto art architecture. But our production designer Andrew Saunders uh, assured me that it was very close to the architecture of uh, places like the Broadmoor Prison for the Criminally Insane um, in in England. Basically, Victorian architecture. Spider, of course, considering suicide and deciding against it. We still are not sure what would push Spider, the adult, to commit suicide. What is it in his past that is tormenting him? Is it really the memory of his father killing his mother? Is that really what it is? And why if his father killed his mother, why is he in this asylum? 
which is a sort of a uh, not a maximum security prison, but as you can see from the jail cells, it's a very serious prison. It's not just a hospital. We're still not sure at this point what it was that got Spider to be um, committed to such a place. Take your eye out, Edward. And here we see a lovely invention of Patrick's that is a combination of the puzzle imagery and the spider imagery, the spider web imagery. The spider web that traps you in your own memories and the puzzle that you seem to have all the pieces for but still somehow doesn't make any sense to you. But these memories now are inducing Spider to take uh, a radical step for him. And you can see that he's, he's kind of psyching himself up to do something. We don't know what it is. We, we will soon realize that this cafe that he has been coming to regularly, we've seen him there before, uh, is, not, is not just an accidental choice. There we see a street sign, a street name, that seems to intimidate Spider, but he... He now takes his courage and decides to approach what? And of course, what he's approaching is his old street, the street that he lived on as a child, this uh, row of back-to-back -back houses. And it's really then Spider deciding to confront his past in a more direct way. And he's allowing himself to, um, prov to, to, to provoke the, the onrush of memories. Here he goes to his old house. It's a number of the house. The, the door is quite different. And of course, other people are living there. He almost would have expected to see his mother come out of that house, but in fact, it's, it's somebody else's mother, a modern mother. Once again, you would never see this street that empty in London. We couldn't move that car in the background. There are a couple of cars there that we couldn't find the owners of. I wanted it to be completely empty. Likewise here. It took a lot of production uh, logistics to get the streets to be as empty as they are. And now he's coming back to the Dog and Beggar. This is the, the local pub that uh, serviced the streets and the area that he lived in. Um, we put scaffolding up to indicate that it's being changed, it's being gentrified, it's, it's, it's being... Uh, placed upscale but Spider still can't go in because really to go into the pub is to go into his past and he's still not able to do it he still can't get over that one last curb into to plunge into his memory so he goes back to the canals where he feels soothed and, and connected and relaxed at least for Spider But there's his past again at every turn. And now we see that, as we saw earlier, that Yvonne really has come home and has replaced his mother. But I suggest that the audience try, the second time they see the movie, if they do, to think of these scenes as actually being his mother, not being this woman, this Evelyn, but actually being Mrs. Clegg, wondering why her son is looking at her so strangely, why, why he is seeming to be so disturbed and so upset. Oh, they're not 
and this line of dialogue coming up being a fantasy of young spiders that this creature has is actually basically admitting that she and his father murdered his mother try to think of me as your mother now she says but if you think of this scene as really being between his real mother and his real father and that it really is they are completely shocked at this child who is fantasizing a murder uh, it, it all the structure all begins to make perfect sense That was one of young Bradley Hall's finest moments. He, I encouraged him to really scream that last word because he had been very sort of restrained and uh, he was very proud of himself letting that hang out, that murderer. And here Spider is lying on the potato patch that he thinks his mother is buried under and he goes here for kind of fetal solace and he sleeps in the chair in the shed. And you can imagine that if you were a parent of a child like this, um, you would find it very disturbing and very confusing and very mysterious as to why, what was going on in his head. We never really, we never really discover what it is that makes Spider such an extreme child. It's not just the traumas of his, of his youth, because as you, as we begin to realize, those traumas are in fact very minor. And the major parts of them, the more dramatic ones, the murder of his mother, these are really fantasies, these are not reality. This is a scene I particularly love. I find it very, very touching. Now, in this, this is a, a crucial scene for our understanding of the movie, and in particular, our understanding of the character Bill, uh, of, of, of Spider's father. Because this is the most complete scene for Bill in which perhaps we see the real Bill. In other words, rather than the demon who is murdering his wife and, and replacing her with a prostitute and seeming to have no uh, remorse or regret or, or fear in, in doing that, here we see a man who really has a very difficult hallucinating child and, and and is really not equipped to deal with it he really he doesn't have the the tools the skills if, if anybody could in fact to to deal with this this child who has got some some serious um, derangement of mind and memory and so when he says I found it was very interesting in one of the screenings when, when Bill says, why are you so angry with us? The audience laughed because at that point they still thought, well, it's obvious why the child is angry. He's, he's angry because his mother has just been murdered by his father. But then as the scene progresses, you begin to realize that this is the real Bill. You know, he's a, a relatively simple man um, who, who is trying to deal with a child who is putting him through all kinds of changes. And... Um, um, they begin to realize that, in fact, Bill doesn't know why 
his son is angry because, of course, he hasn't really murdered his mother, his, his wife at all. You know what you're saying? Are you, are you daft? And he's desperately trying to find some reason for Spider's strangeness, and he falls back on that old idea that, that Spider is too isolated and too lonely and, inter, and too introspective, and all of those things are probably true, but they're not really the cause of Spider's um, state of mind. It comes from somewhere else, whether it's genetic or, or, or what, we, we, we never really discuss in the film. And it's true that schizophrenia is still a very controversial concept because there, there was a time when schizophrenia was totally considered to be a psychological uh, event, something that, ha that was a re result of uh, childhood trauma. And I think the theory now is much gone the other way, the, the physiological, the biological way. That is to say that schizophrenia is considered to be um, an actual genetic flaw and that, that there are problems with the nervous systems of people who are schizophrenic that are physical, physical flaws. And that is, therefore, something like psychoanalysis would not at all be of any use to, to true schizophrenics and that only drugs and medication if anything, could help them. Of course, Spider believes his mother is under there. There was, uh, in the script originally, um, a scene where young Spider cuts into a potato and blood flows out of it. Um, and that was, of course, because he believes that the potatoes come from the garden under which his mother is buried, and that's her blood. And it was a nice idea, but by the time... And I did have special effects people who built that potato that also glowed in a hallucinatory way and, and would bleed. But uh, I really thought that finally that scene was from some other movie. And so instead we have this scene, which is shot with slightly wider lenses and gives a kind of slightly... You understand now that there's a third level of memory here, which we called infected memory. That is... Young Spider is there, so it, it, it sort of really happened, but there's a kind of surreal quality to it, an unreal quality to it, and you have to believe that Spider is really hallucinating at that point. A young Spider is, and the old, memories that adult Spider has of that are really memories of a hallucinated event. It does get a little bit complex, but I think that um, the, the, it only is complex when you schematize it. And now, of course, Yvonne, this creature from his past, his invention as a child, is able to come to haunt him as an adult, even though, of course, she couldn't be the same age and, and look like that. Of course, but the reason that she can do that is that she is really a fantasy of his, that she is a creation of his. And she's come back to haunt him now as an adult. And so we are about to see that Spider is continuing to do the process that he began as a child, which is to confuse identities and to fuse in his mind characters uh, of his life with each other. He looks around the corner, and does he see Lynn Redgrave playing Mrs. Wil Wilkinson? No, he sees Miranda Richardson playing some kind of Mrs. Wilkinson. In other words, he is now fusing this Yvonne creature with the dominant woman in his life at the present, who is, of course, the woman who runs this halfway house, Mrs. Wilkinson, 
as a child, of course, the dominant woman in his life was his mother, and so that was where the confusion happened. And now he's kind of replaying it in his present life as an adult. And, of course, this is terrifying and staggering to him that somehow Yvonne has come back into his life in a big way. And he's terrified that she will read what he has written about her, that he has taken evidence that she is involved in a murder, the accomplice uh, to a murder, the murder of his mother. And she somehow come into the present, and he's terrified that she will get hold of his notebook and read it and then perhaps murder him. She'd do something terrible. So he now feels he has to destroy this notebook, which up to this moment was a precious thing to him because it was the compilation of all his memories and all his uh, notes about what happened to him and what his father must have done to his mother. And now Spider is he's now actively searching for Material. We don't know for what yet, but he's not just casually picking up things from the ground. He's actually actively searching for, for something. And it's at the construction site that's near the old dog and beggar, the, the pub of his parents and his, his own childhood. And you can see the lighting in this scene, as in many of the scenes, is not what you'd call realistic. And I encouraged Peter, the, my director of photography, to not worry about realistic lighting uh, but rather to think in terms of expressionistic lighting, lighting that, that created or recreated or expressed the inner life of Spider here. Now we see that he's, he's got a major string collection. He's barred the door. He feels that he has some privacy. And he can think about the scene from his past, which is, to him, his father and Yvonne the slut going off arm in arm to the pub. But once again, if you think of it as his real parents, if you think of that not as Yvonne but as the real Mrs. Clegg, you'll see that at this point perhaps Bill, uh, his father, and his mother have actually managed to resolve some of their marital difficulties. Suddenly she's, you know, wearing that sexy slip. Um, he's, she's decided she'll go to the pub with him and maybe drink along with him, not let him drink alone, not criticize him for his drinking. They're kind of getting along a lot better. Um, and for a normal child, perhaps that would be something positive. But for Spider, who is fantasizing that this woman is not his mother, it's not a positive thing that his father is getting along with her better. And he's now got a plan. He's got to do something. We don't know what it is, of course, yet, but it does involve string. It involves some kind of spider web. And he's going to trap somebody in that web. 
you you've probably noticed a lot of it strange period wallpaper in the movie and we were really very uh, I was really kind of I wouldn't say obsessed but very focused on getting the right wallpaper because of course there are many rooms in in this movie and a lot of wallpaper and I felt that that kind of moldy depressing English wallpaper that I remember myself from my early years uh, visiting London um, really expressed a kind of drab uh, claustrophobic uh, damp uh, uncomfortable cold chilly uh, kind of ambience that that you would find in English houses of the period and which really replicates very well the, the sort of that that whole ambience that Spider has inside his head that is similar to that. And now adult Spider has decided to recreate the web of his childhood because he too is thinking that he must trap somebody in his web. And it's now a kind of a parallel structure between Spider, the man, dealing with the strange woman creature who's come to haunt him and Spider, the child, doing the same in his past. of this movie for for Rafe and for Spider is delivered through body language and through movement and and uh, it's almost like dance um, how Spider how Rafe really brilliantly delivers the character of Spider with so few words of dialogue Now this scene replicates one of the earlier scenes where Spider is kind of harassed by Mrs. Wilkinson, and we can now see that this this creature that that is Yvonne replacing Mrs. Wilkinson is in fact becoming more and more like that vicious, scary slut Yvonne, and less like Mrs. Wilkinson. Of course, if you and I were standing there watching this scene, we would be seeing Mrs. Wilkinson as played by Lynn Redgrave, but for Spider, she's she's now been totally replaced by this very scary Yvonne creature who is sexual in a very aggressive and murderous way as far as Spider is concerned. And so this Yvonne thing, this creature, comes right into his life, right into his room, his most private sanctuary. And she storms right in. And, of course, this scene is very comical in some ways and very terrifying for Spider, 
particularly. And uh, I, I really thought that Rafe and Miranda developed a wonderful kind of strange, uncomfortable, aggressive sexuality between the two of them, the, 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 uh, the fear of Spider. As a, he's really a boy here. He's a boy trying to confront or deal with his, his mother's sexuality in this scene. And it's all very exaggerated and flamboyant. And here he is being passive and obedient, like a good son. And his mother is being a little too sexual and a little too physical. We 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 developed this this bra for uh, for the Yvonne character. It was deliberately meant to be exaggerated and 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 kind of a boy's fantasy of 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 breasts of the period. Not at all realistic, of course. And Miranda really did watch Lynn Redgrave's performance very carefully and, and, and managed to fuse what Lynn was doing with, with what she had been doing as Yvonne. But if you ask Miranda if she was as confused about her character as Gabriel was about playing his, she'll tell you the answer is no that she in fact played each of these characters as individuals. She didn't think about what the structure of the character was supposed to be in the script. She just played them as real people. And that's something an actor really has to do. As I say, you, you can't really, as, as, as you cannot photograph an abstract concept or a fantasy, you cannot photograph uh, you cannot act as an actor an abstract concept. You have to really ground yourself in a character and you let the structure of the film deliver the fantasy or abstract uh, aspect of that character. Now here Spider has now ceased being passive and he's now taking action, at least his version of action, um, a major step for him. And it comes out of his fear of this Yvonne creature, that he must do something about her before she does something to him. But before he does that, he just wants to make sure that it's really her. And so he sneaks into her room, Mrs. Wilkinson's room, and he's looking for something, some verification. And he does find it. He finds it right here in the closet, and it's a coat. It's that fake leopard skin coat that he remembers so well from Yvonne when he was a boy. And for him, in his imaginings, this is proof that the real Yvonne, somehow miraculously unaged and fused with Mrs. Wilkinson, has come back to get him. That's, this, this coat is proof that Yvonne, the real Yvonne, is here. Now, 
does Mrs. Wilkinson have that coat? Is that what we see? Or is that totally a projected fantasy, a hallucination of spiders? We don't know. And we, it doesn't really matter because from his point of view, his reality, he has just proved to himself that, that Yvonne has come from his past into his present uh, to do something to him, something destructive, pro probably murder. And so he's going to have to do something to protect himself. And with his usual spider-like precision, he uh, examines the tools that are going to be required for this particular job. There is, uh, there really is a lot of black humor in this movie. I must say. I mean, it's not all <laughs> sober and severe. And if you, if, from a, from a certain point of view, this is really quite a, that that scene is quite a funny scene, but in a, a very bl dark and black way, of course. And so Spider approaches Mrs. Wilkinson in the dead of night, convinced that she is Yvonne. And sure enough, she is. The same woman who was in bed with his father when he was a child. Of course, this is his fantasy. And this shot... Um, we we only did one take. I mean, Br Rafe was so brilliant <laughs> in this shot that I s said I just I normally like to do several takes of everything, um, not tons, but more than one, just in case. But he, it was so brilliant. It was just the timing and the rhythm of it was so perfect. Uh, I I just couldn't bear to do it again. It was it was unbearable the first time. I mean, unbearable in the sense of the tension that it generated and, and it was just perfect. This is his chance to kill his nemesis, but can he do it? He can't do it because he starts to remember something. And this is what he remembers. Now, if you think once again of this as re being the real Mrs. Clegg and not Yvonne, you see that they've gotten a bit drunk together and they, they're kind of affectionate and, and maybe, you know, the marriage is kind of healing itself. But, of course, for Spider, boy Spider, it is Yvonne, not his mother. And the closer that his father gets to her and and the more affectionate the more a threat it is to to him spider the spider the boy feels that he must do something in other words even as adult spider has a project in mind that he has to deal with this creature that's come into his life who's so dangerous to him he is acting in parallel to himself as a boy who also had a project and this is the project that we're about to unfold.
the boy, has, using his web magic, has discovered a way to rid himself of this threat to his own life and to his family. And that is that he will use the gas to commit murder. And now, of course, we begin to realize why gas has such potency for adult spider, why it comes to haunt him too, why the gas works haunt him. It's because he seems here to be remembering that he committed murder using the gas himself. He killed Yvonne. He begins to murder Yvonne. And at this moment, his father realizes what's happened. He sees the string. Of course, he knows that Spider is obsessed with string and, and running string through, through things in the house. And he sees, well, he sees Yvonne. Or does he? He pulls the body of Yvonne out into the street. For God's sake, somebody help me, please. For God's sake. But now, Spider remembers that it wasn't really the body of Yvonne that he saw lying dead in the street, killed by the gas. But in fact, it was his mother. The real Mrs. Clegg. It was the real Mrs. Clegg all along. And instead of murdering Yvonne, he has murdered his own mother. You murdered your mother. <laughs> and it's the moment that he is, it's because he has almost replicated that murder in the present that he remembers the truth of it in the past. And of course, it's not Yvonne in that bed at all. It's Mrs. Wilkinson, because it was Mrs. Wilkinson all along. And it was only his fantasy that Yvonne had come back to haunt him. And he manages now to stop just short of murder. So we now understand why Spider was in that asylum all along, because he had, as a child, had engineered the murder of his mother using the gas stove. And now, of course, he's almost done the same thing again. And it's realized that he's too dangerous to leave on the streets. And he'll have to come back to the asylum. But then we ask one question, which is, could this also be a fantasy of spiders? Could his feeling that he murdered his mother not also be a fantasy. A child will often feel guilt for things like a separation, a divorce, feeling that somehow uh, a parent left him or her because of something the child did, even though it really had nothing to do with the child. Is it possible 
that Spider's mother just left, or that Spider's mother committed suicide, and that Spider, the boy, felt guilt for this, and so engineered a fantasy that he had killed his mother. In other words, when he goes back to the asylum, will there be another level of reality that he will uncover? Um, we don't know, but the possibility is really there, that he still has not gotten to the bottom of the truth of his past and perhaps never will. And that's the end of the story. Thank you.